Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you, what's the word? Do them. If you practice them. What's the principle? Happiness, being blessed, doesn't come from just knowing. It doesn't come from just thinking right. It comes from doing right. There was a kid's show that would give little tidbits of information. They would close the segment with the phrase, Now you know, and knowing is half the battle. The Apostle Paul is kind of saying the same thing in this scripture passage, but as Pastor Mark will be teaching, you have to put the teachings into action for the words to have any benefit to your life. God doesn't just want to provide knowledge or information. He knows that for his words to have any effect in your life, You have to act those words out in your life every day. Only then will you see the benefit to your life that God wants to impart. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of Philippians chapter 4 as he begins his message, Godly Thoughts in Action. Philippians, right there it is. Go to the New Testament, the book of Matthew, and flip right on down to Philippians chapter 4. We're doing a series, verse by verse, through the book of Philippians, and we've spent more time in Philippians than Paul did in jail in Philippi. But we've been having a good time as we've been going through the truth of God's Word. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Now, you just get back from a physical... And the doctor says, as you sit in the office, everything looks pretty good. There's only one area that you need to work on. It's your cholesterol. So I want you to start reducing the saturated fat in your diet. And if you'll do that, then we won't have to put you on one of the statin drugs. So you kind of go to your favorite restaurant that you eat two or three times a week at. And you ask them for their nutritional information. And you begin looking at it and you're getting these thoughts going in your mind. And uh, the thing that you enjoy most, that you kind of get two or three times a week, is that one-third pound juicy cheeseburger. So when you look at the saturated fat, you go, "Uh." so you look to see what else they have. And you come across this picture of this funky black bean veggie burger. Now they dress it up, it looks kind of like the same. And you look at the fat, and it's white way down. Now, here's the key. All that information, 40 grams of saturated fat versus three. All that information is useless unless you actually order 
the veggie burger. Am I right? So Paul has been teaching us about thinking right, getting the information. But there's another step that we're going to learn today. You see, we've been learning how to think because of this premise. In the Old Testament, here's the truth. In Proverbs 23, 7, it says this. As he thinks in his heart, so is he. So Paul knew this truth. You and I do too. What we think, we become. Now, we also learn from the Apostle Paul that thinking like God doesn't come naturally. It'd be nice if when you became a Christian, automatically all your thoughts were about God. Well, it doesn't work that way. And we learn that we're in this spiritual war, and the battlefield is our minds. And we learn that we have three enemies. Satan, who is a liar, so he loves to fill our minds with lies. We have the world system, as Romans 12 says it, squeezes us into the way the world wants us to think. The problem is Satan's over the world, so it's not God's way. And then you and I have inside of us, even though when we became a believer, our spirit was instantly changed. We're left with our body and then our mind, will, and emotions. And that old sin nature rises up quite often. For instance, if you're in that restaurant and you order, you absolutely order the veggie burger, mm-mm, good. But will you eat it <laughs> is the issue. So in my flesh nature, I still fight two big prongs. One, sensual. We're made sexual beings. And two, selfish. I only want what's good for me. I don't want what's good for you. I don't care about you. That's my old sin nature. So this battle of the mind, it causes us not to think like God. Well, Paul told us we can overcome that enemy. How do we do it? Two ways. We learn to renew our thinking. And we renew our thinking... By meditating on the Word of God. This is the mind of God to us. As we meditate on it, it becomes absorbing in our life. Now remember, we told you that meditating is not Eastern meditation, which empties your mind and has a mantra, whatever. This is we fill our mind with actually the Word of God. And we do that in our quiet time. And then second, we learn that's not enough. We have to control our thinking. And we do that three ways. By recognizing, whoa, 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 this thought is not from God. And then I have to reject that thought. But the third key we learn is we have to replace that wrong thought with the right thought, which is the Word of God. And as we begin to understand that, well, let me give you a couple examples how to think like God. Here's some virtues to think about. I've asked you to turn. You're right there in Philippians chapter 4. Go down to verse 8. Paul says this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So Paul gave us all of these things to focus on. We don't want to focus negative thoughts. We don't want to focus critical. We want to be encouraging. We want to be upbeat. And so these were just examples. It's not an exhaustive list. 
But it's a way to think about these things. In our Bibles, you'll notice, verse 8 doesn't end this section. Verse 9 actually ends this section. And verse 9, notice what Paul says. Now keep putting, Paul says, into practice all you've learned and received from me. Everything you've heard from me and saw me doing. Then, then, then the God of peace will be with you. First thing you need to understand is there's a key word there. What is it? Doing. We're going to talk about doing all day. So Paul says it's not enough to think great thoughts. It's not enough to think like God. There's another step. And so here's what I want you to write this morning. Right thinking should lead to right living. You see, if you think right about that burger and the veggie burger, the right thing to do is to order the veggie burger and eat it. You can have all the great thoughts you want. You can have all the truth in your mind. But if you don't follow through with it, if it's never applied, it doesn't really do you any good. So Paul reminds us that the purpose of learning how to think is to live right. Remember, as a person thinks, so they become. So Paul knew this principle, and amazingly, he used himself as an example. Paul says, what you've seen from my life, you can copy that. Only as I follow Christ. But what you see, you can put that into practice. Now that word practice is important. In some of your translations, it'll be the word do. Well, it means practice. It means to do repeatedly. Some of you like to play golf or tennis or whatever. You get a bucket of balls twice a year and go out and practice hitting the golf ball. That's not what this word practice means. This word practice means repeatedly doing it over and over and over and over again so it becomes second nature to you. So Paul says it's not enough to think right. There's going to have to be some doing that goes along with those. Now, in another passage, Paul speaks exactly about this. I want you to see it. It's Hebrews 13. Paul, I believe, wrote this. Notice what he says. Remember your leaders... Who taught you the word of God. Notice the word in yellow. Think. Think of all the good that has come from their lives. And follow the example of their faith. So here's what Paul's saying. Paul's in prison. But he had spent a lot of time in Philippi. And he says, remember back to how I thought, how I taught you. What you heard me say. And then you notice that what I told you, you watched me do it. So you do the same thing. You practice doing what you heard me say and what you watched me do. And Paul is in prison. They're not there. But the whole book of Philippians is about contagious uh, joy. Just amazing joy. How can he have joy? Because he understands the principle of thinking right and then the peace of God will be yours. So Paul says, it's not enough just to think right. You and I, 
have to begin to understand that there's some action involved. Now, for some reason, we miss this principle. We see it in the world, but we miss this principle spiritually. Let me give you some ideas today. For some reason, we have people in the church that think because they attend church on a regular basis, which is a good thing, that alone pleases God. And we have some other people that think because they read the Bible regularly and have a quiet time, that alone pleases God. And then we have other people that think that, well, they believe that the Bible is 100% true. They have correct doctrine. They believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The salvation by faith alone. They understand all those principles. And they think just by having good doctrine and, and, and believing truth, that that alone pleases God. Maybe I've covered all of us this morning. But none of those alone please God. You say, Pastor Mark, are you kidding me? Coming to church on a regular basis? Having a quiet time reading my Bible? Believing correct doctrine? Well, sure, please God. Yeah, not alone. Not even combining those three. It does not please God. Well, can you prove it? Yes. <laughs> Turn to John. John chapter 13 in your Bibles. You'll see where it is. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Jesus had just got done teaching. And there was lots of things that he taught the people. And then he makes this amazing statement to them. It's a huge principle in my life and your life. John 13, verse 17. Listen. Notice what Jesus says. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed, period. How many of you have a period at the end of the word I just said? Anybody have a period in there? You mean there's more? There is. What does Jesus really say? Take a look at it. Understand. So you see, lots of times we think, hey, now that you know these things, knowledge is the key. No, it isn't. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you, what's the word? Do them. If you practice them. What's the principle? Happiness, being blessed, doesn't come from just knowing. It doesn't come from just thinking right. It comes from doing right. Now I want to show you this morning how this works. I have a little canvas here. I'm not a painter. Disclaimer right up front. But this canvas needs to be painted. And I want you to see that I have paint. It's right here. I have a paintbrush. So put it in there. Put it in there. And let's just say this canvas is a, a wall in your bedroom or whatever that you're painting. Okay, I've got, I've got, uh, I've got paint. I got a paintbrush. I got canvas. Am I done? 
Am I done? How do you know I'm not done? What's missing? Huh? Write this down, then we'll talk about it. Unapplied truth is like unapplied pain. It doesn't do anybody any good. You see, the value of the paint is in the application. I can have the paint. I can have the brush. But unless I apply it, unless I absolutely apply it, it's useless. It's absolutely useless. Now, that sounds strange. Jesus and Paul are saying the very same thing. It's not enough to hear the Word of God. It's not enough to read the Word of God. It's not enough to even know the Word of God well. We must put it into practice. We must apply the truth by obeying what we know, what we read. God is pleased by obedience... And yet there's many Christ followers that have this huge gap between what they know and what they actually do. Now, there's a statement we're going to make a lot of times in the next 40 minutes. So I want you to write it, and then we're going to learn it. And then when I say it, I want you to repeat it with me. Here's what you write. Application makes all the difference. Application makes all the difference. Would you just turn to your neighbor now and say, Application makes all the difference. Come on, tell them. Tell them. So when you hear this in our teaching today, when you hear this word, application, what are you going to say? It it makes... All the difference. Good job. Is that true? I just showed you it was true. Who told us it was true? Pastor Mark did. (laughs) Jesus did. Application makes all the difference. You can have all the other stuff, but if we don't apply the truth, it doesn't work. Now, I want to show you something. This canvas is actually the canvas of your life, of my life. And God is making you and I a beautiful picture. We don't know what it looks like. To us, sometimes it may look confusing. But God is helping us apply paint as we obey. As we obey, and God says to do this, you'll see this as we go through today. And we begin doing this with God's help. He's making our life fulfilled, beautiful, purpose. And only at the end of our life will we discover what our life really looked like. So God's at work in your life, if you're a Christian this morning, and mine. In obedience, the application is what begins to make me changed, different. Now, Romans chapter 12, notice what Paul says. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. You see, application means transformation by the renewing of your mind. Now, I want you to write this statement down. I have this in the Bible, and you need to understand that. Lots of people think they're going to come to church, 
They're going to know the Bible. They can go on a short-term mission trip. They can become a pastor, whatever. And that equals maturity. Or if they've been in the church a long time, and they're 74, and they've read the Bible 23 times, that's maturity. No, that is not maturity. Here's what spiritual maturity is. Three things. Number one, you have to have truth. You have to know truth. Truth then leads to application. If I do them, Jesus said, blessed are you when you know these truths, and then you do them. And then that results in transformation. When you and I got saved, God didn't say very much, here's your little ticket to heaven, see you whenever you die, I'll meet you there. No, he's in a process of transforming me to become like him. And so this thing called spiritual maturity involves truth. It involves me obeying the truth. And as that works, my life is actually changing. And I'm becoming more like Jesus. I'm thinking like him. I'm acting like him. I'm having ministry like him. And so understand, spiritual maturity is not measured by what a person knows, but how their life is changed. You and I should be changing every day. Now, turn to James. The brother of Jesus said the very same thing Jesus did. Shouldn't surprise us. Now remember, James didn't really come to know the Lord until way late. James chapter 1, there you are, almost to the end of the Bible. Book of Revelation, just sneak back a few chapters. James chapter 1, verse 22. Now when you get there, most of us, if you've been in church at all, you've understood the little first part of this, but we miss a key element. James 1, 22. Watch what it says. Do not merely listen to the word. And here's the part you want to underline. And so deceive yourselves. Do what the word says. Do you know this is happening all over our world this weekend? Millions, if not billions, of so-called Christians are sitting in our churches and they're listening to the word. That's fantastic. I'm glad you're here. But it's not enough. Today, our world, like no other time, is drowning in information. We can listen to so much through all kinds of things. We can read, we have DVDs, we have computer programs, we have iPads. We can hear the Word of God a million different times. I mean, pastors everywhere. We can know Greek and Hebrew. We can do word studies. We can outline chapters in the Bible. We can quote scripture. All of those things are fantastic. But unless the Word of God is applied in our lives, it's simply a collection of information. We become useless Bible scholars and often legalistic In the process, I know more than you. Today, Pastor Mark taught how the Apostle Paul, using himself as an example, encouraged his readers to think about things that were honoring and pleasing to God. You were reminded that as you go through life, what you spend time thinking about will be what becomes important to you. In the same way, you will pull your life philosophy from those thoughts as well. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian, and Vieira. 
All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue his teaching, Godly Thoughts in Action. We'll continue to speak about the relationship between your thought life and the behavior you display in your daily life. You'll be reminded that there are only two philosophies, God's and Satan's. You need to make a conscious decision as to which one you'll choose to embrace. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, Contagious Outrageous Joy. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.